Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. Today we mourn the loss of a much-loved figurehead and a wonderful woman in leadership who held high principles and embraced stepping into her potential and encouraged other women all around the world to step into their potential and their personal power. So everyone today, including me, has something to say about Queen Elizabeth II. So she has passed away and it is something that everybody is talking about today. Now, why is this something that I want to talk about on the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast? What's the relevancy? It's a given that the Tiara's in the podcast title relates to sovereignty and it relates to sovereignty in your life. So you stepping into your personal power, you being the leader of your life. Now, I always ask my guests, what does the title of this podcast mean to you as a woman? And I wish that I could have asked that question of Queen Elizabeth II, who would have been such a great person to ask that question of. She certainly knew how to wear that tiara with grace and with dignity. Although the public may not have seen her tears, I'm sure that there were many times when she shed tears, tears of joy in those moments that touched her heart and tears of sadness at the many tragedies that she saw in her role as a monarch and as a wife, a mother, and a grandmother. So she certainly had, you know, many triumphs in the time that she lived. Her latest being the celebration of her 70th, 70th year as the monarch of Britain. Now, you may have your own thoughts and feelings about Queen Elizabeth II, but the thing that I want to explore with you is something that's a little bit controversial, but it is something that's also very current. And that is the stand that she took only a year ago against her own son to strip him of his titles and his royal patronages because he was being tried for the alleged rape of a teenager back in 2021. So she 100% did the right thing in taking that stand, but that can't have been an easy thing for her to do as his mother. So Andrew, he was said to be her favourite child. But, you know, unlike many parents who stay in a state of denial about the wrongdoing that their children, their adult children have done, the Queen 
drew a very, very clear line in the sand that said that she in no way tolerated what her son was accused of and he could not hold on to his entitlements given that this was in question. So she didn't know what the outcome of that was going to be, but that's a very serious charge that was made against her son and her son had been associated with um, with somebody who was convicted as being a child trafficker and it was all very serious and she did the right thing and she said, no, this is not on, you cannot hold on to your entitlements when you are being brought under this kind of scrutiny. So now she did the right thing, but many parents don't have that same conviction. Many parents will stay in a state of denial about what their adult children have done. And um, that will be very compromising for the person who's been victimised by that person. So because this podcast is here to help and support women who have been through abusive relationships, there may be some of you who are listening to this episode who have experienced this type of uh, lack of appropriate support from either from your own parents um, who are in denial about you being victimised and mistreated. Or, you know, you may have also had an experience of the person who has been mistreating you or hurting you, their parents being in a state of denial about what their adult child has done. Now, I'm going to just ask you, how did that make you feel? Or if you're still going through this, how does that make you feel? You know, are you feeling hurt by it? Are you feeling, you know, frustrated? Are you feeling invalidated? Are you feeling diminished? Are you feeling as though you are not being heard? You are not being understood? Are you feeling alone? Are you feeling compromised by this? Are you feeling defensive, like you need to argue your point? Are you feeling patronized like they just don't get it are you feeling disempowered are you feeling stressed so yes you're probably feeling all of those things that I've just mentioned and so much more so we want those who are and this is the natural thing to want we naturally just want those who are supposed to be closest to us those who are members of our family we want them to stand up and say that what has happened to us is not okay and they we want to know that they're there for us 100% to support us so, and in the next breath, we might, you know, want them to be asking us, you know, what can I do to help you right now? But what we do to get through, you know, this is, you know, we don't often get what we need the most. Those who are often closest to us have not got a grasp of what we've gone through and how this is impacting us in our lives. 
So you might feel like, you know, throwing your hands up in frustration and feeling like there's no way to turn this around, but I encourage you not to give up. I'm going to give you in this episode three things to help you become more empowered in this situation. So without any further ado, let's open the door on today's episode and give you the three steps to becoming empowered when you are not getting the support that you need from your family. Let's take a quick break to breathe and hear about how to find the keys that you need to be free. You're off to a great start because you found this podcast to help you to heal your heart. Now, each episode is jam-packed with support and inspiration, but don't forget to check out the episode notes, which is set up to be your life support station. In there, you'll find links to a crisis support list, plus a way to contact us and so much more to help you close the door on fearfulness and pick up the keys to a life where good things are going to be again in store. Okay, take another breath and let it go and turn your attention back to today's show. Just a caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. Hi, welcome to another episode of Tiara's Tears and Triumphs. As I said in the intro, I woke up this morning to the news that Queen Elizabeth II Britain's longest reigning monarch has died at age 96. Now, she held a great affection with people throughout the world. Whether they're part of the monarchy or not, she holds a very special place in many people's hearts. Being Australian as I am, I grew up with the royal family being very much in the spotlight in the media as the media reported their every move from a what I think is a very two-dimensional point of view. So we didn't see everything that was obviously going on behind closed doors, just like any other family. You don't really know the full extent of what goes on in people's lives. But we were all being fed what the media wanted to feed us and we were very quick to make judgments and either like or dislike certain members of the royal family based on how each of the members of the royal family were being represented in the media. So it wasn't necessarily fair on um, any of them and I know that it brought a lot of pressures on them just being people at the end of the day, like we all are. Um, Fame and notoriety is not uh, an easy thing to live with um, because your life is under such close scrutiny all the time. 
like many around the world, you know, I saw the real life dramas of the royal family that played out larger than life in the media. And like so many, you know, I fell in love with Princess Diana and I was, you know, shocked and saddened when she died so tragically after being hounded by the media. I remember vividly where I was when the news was reported that she had died. I was standing in my kitchen with the TV on and I remember just being overwhelmed with disbelief it just felt so surreal and um and I was struck by just such an overwhelming sadness uh that she had died so tragically and um still in her youth with such young children so we hold these royals in such a regard almost like they're almost like they're familiar because you know we get snippets of their lives and what's going on in their lives so much through the media so queen elizabeth didn't hold you know that same place in my heart as diana but i have so much respect and admiration and fondness for her um, Diana, she was truly the people's princess, but the Queen, you know, admirably, she maintained her position of nobility throughout the tragedies that befell her family. Not only did she stay consistent throughout with her royal duties, um, even in the hard times, so what I referred to in the intro, you know, one of her sons, Prince Andrew, who was said to be her favourite, was drawing global infamy and revulsion over the accusations that he had raped a teenager in 2001. Now, the reaction from Buckingham Palace was swift and punishing when um, they heard of these charges just a day after the news of the accusations, the um, prince's 95-year-old mother, um, Queen Elizabeth, she stripped him of his military titles and royal patronages. So going forward from that place, the prince will no longer be able to use the title His Royal Highness. Uh, which is a symbol of his status as a senior member of the royal family. So Prince Andrew has effectively been banished by the Queen. And more recently, you know, the Queen has also been buffeted by scandal and the bitter departure of Prince Harry and his wife, Meghan, from the royal family. So it just goes to show that no matter how noble the family, this does not make them perfect. It doesn't make them impervious to pain. It doesn't make them impervious to struggles. It doesn't make them impervious to conflict. They still have terrible things going on in their lives. So I'm not advocating that the Queen was perfect, but I'm very glad that she drew that clear line in the sand with her own son to say with absolute clarity that the crime he was accused of was completely unacceptable. Now, I'm 
also glad that she stood strong as a woman to send a message that having sex with a minor is not okay and that having sex with someone against their will is absolutely not okay for her son or anybody else to do. Her message was clear and strong. So taking a stand like that isn't easy and it is perhaps because of her position that she was left with no choice than to take this stand. Her life was always going to be under the highest level of scrutiny. So she did not have the luxury of giving her son any lenience when it came to this. So many parents aren't like Queen Elizabeth in the way that she took this very strong stand. Many parents, when confronted with the prospect that their child has committed a crime, will go into denial. Understandably, grappling with the possibility that their child could do such a thing is a very hard thing for a parent to come to terms with. So today, I would like to acknowledge the Queen, not only for all her years of service, but also for taking a stand that although it was absolutely the right thing to do, it would have been heartbreaking, a heartbreaking decision to make to separate herself from the child, one of her children in such a public way. So being a parent certainly isn't easy. The Queen's passing has given me this opportunity to talk about what a person can do when they don't have the support of their family. Now, I'm coming from the perspective of supporting victims who have been let down by their families or the families of the person who has hurt them. Being in a situation where the parents of the person who has hurt you do not believe that their child has hurt you or they downplay what has happened. It's a very dangerous, very compromising situation to be in, especially when you have children to the person who has hurt you and the parents of the person who has hurt you, the grandparents don't believe that you have been through the trials and traumas that you have been through. So this can be particularly risky when there's children involved as well who are also at risk. Now, how do I know this? So it's not just from what I know about what happens to other people. You know, I've actually had firsthand experience with this. I've lived through it. And living through this and having this experience has taught me what I needed to know to be able to stop myself or my children's safety and sanity being at risk, to stop myself and my children from being compromised. So my situation was very extreme. It was extreme to the point where I had to go into hiding and I had to relocate. I had to change my name and I had to keep my lips zipped and not divulge where I had moved to in case it was shared with my ex-partner, either directly or indirectly. So it wasn't 
just my ex-partner's parents that didn't understand the seriousness of what was happening to me and the children. It was also my own parents who were being um, chided or um, coerced in, you know, into giving information to my ex-partner's parents. Um, and that became very compromising for me. So what happened for me is that I found myself having to try to justify myself to two sets of parents about my need to distance myself and not divulge our whereabouts to them. So it was already a very, very tra traumatic time for us. Not only was I put in this really difficult position by my ex-partner where I had to go through a massive upheaval and relocate and remove myself and my children from our home, from our friends, from our community, and of course, also from our extended family. But I had to contend with two sorts of, um, sorry, two sets of parents who were putting me under pressure to have a free flow of information and communication. That's what they were used to. That's what they knew. That's what was normal. So they didn't want any disruptions to that. They wanted to life to continue on as it always had. They didn't understand the need for me to make changes. So I had, um, because things had escalated to a point where they'd become life-threatening for myself and for my children, I was left with really no other option than to engage specialist family violence services. And I know I'm just going to say that there are many women who never even tap into those specialist family violence services who perhaps do need that support from those services. Um, and if you are one of those women and you're listening to this podcast now, uh, you might not be reaching out to those specialist family violence services because your life is already challenging enough and um, you've already been disempowered so much in your life that it becomes really frightening for you to think about engaging the help of support services that might actually make things worse for you than make them better. So any action that you might think about taking at the moment, it's all going to seem really daunting because you don't want to be um, exacerbating the situation or making the situation any worse than what it already is. But these specialist family violence services, they're there to help you and support you and in ways that will help you to stay safe. They've got lots of experience and they do know how to help women navigate a path to safety. So I encourage you, if you've been thinking about using a specialist family violence service and you've been holding off because of your fears around what might happen once you engage that service, I encourage you to seek some support from them, okay? Um, 
because I know that without the support of those specialist family violence services at the time when I was going through all of this, if I was trying to navigate that all completely on my own, I wouldn't have known so much that they helped me with, with understanding what my rights were, with tapping me into the right support so that I had some um, help from like a clinical psychologist that I could get the appropriate counselling that I needed because of the traumas of what I'd been experiencing and the PTSD that was just keeping me in a state of constant fear. Um, so there were many, many benefits to there are many other onflowing benefits to getting tapping into those services and um, understanding, you know, helping you to navigate what goes on in the courts and the, just, you know, like there's pretty much if you've got a need, um, you know, you'll be able to talk to them and they might be able to help you in terms of getting some um, some funding to get some security cameras or get the locks changed or help you to facilitate a move away to help you move to a safe place. There's a pretty, like, endless list of things that they can actually help you with where some of those things might have been the things that were holding you back from um, navigating a, a safe path out of that relationship. So they're used to dealing with all sorts of complexities. So now what happened for me is that the family, the service, the family violence service um, services, what they were advising me was to distance myself from my ex-partner's parents Um they've got, you know, vast experience dealing with these issues and um, what, you know, their experience told them is that uh, my relationship with them, with my partner's ex-parents was extremely compromising um, to have a relationship with them at that time and they were 100% right. So, I didn't like distancing myself from my family because why? I mean, I was isolated. I was scared. I really wanted the support of my family. But because um, I knew how easily with my ex-partner being a stalker, how easily he would could manipulate other people to gather information about myself and the children and, you know, and fight trackers down and all the things that I really didn't need. I was trying to distance myself and, and get to a safe distance away from him. So, um, so withdrawing from those relationships as much as I didn't want to do them is something that I absolutely had to do at that time. But what it did was it, it brought up all of these pressures because, of course, you know, my parents are feeling helpless, you know, they don't even know where I live, they, you know, don't know um, how to help me and support me when I'm basically I've withdrawn and all they can do is have a very hands-off relationship with me where they were talking to me. I think I, you know, talked to my mother on the phone you know, probably once a week or something, but that became increasingly pressured for me because um, each conversation would revolve around 
um, my ex-partner's parents having been in contact with my parents and, um, you know, talking to them about how much they miss their grandchildren and how much they really, you know, like needed to have some contact with their grandchildren. And so rather than my mum focusing on what she could do to support me, she was caught like the meat in the sandwich, so to speak, trying to negotiate how um, the grandparents could still have a relationship with their grandchildren. And when you think about it, it wasn't their fault that, you know, like they hadn't done anything wrong. But just by default because, you know, they're close to their son, they became very compromising for me to have a relationship with and I had to withdraw completely for a time while I was trying to figure it all out and figure out how, you know, I could keep myself and my kids safe primarily and then how I could, you know, negotiate having a relationship with them where they were a part of the, you know, kids' lives still. So it was a step-by-step process and that's what I'd encourage you to Um, understand is that it is a step-by-step process you're not going to have it all figured out all at once and there's probably going to be some trial and error um, involved as you negotiate what you can and can't do so leading up to that time while I was figuring out you know how to best maintain a relationship with them with the children Uh, because they were growing more and more impatient with not having any contact with their grandchildren. We're talking, you know, over a series of probably four months, you know, of no contact. Um, They were feeling like they were at their, you know, wits end. And um, so they engaged a solicitor to write up a letter to me basically saying if they were not, able to have something worked out with them for having contact with the children that they'd have to bring the matter to court so that was you know like that was not helpful to me at all at that time it really put a lot of pressure on me and um so I knew that something had to be worked out and I was trying very hard to figure out what I could do that was going to keep me and the kids safe, but still allow them to have play some part in their grandchildren's lives. So what I um, finally thought I'd give a try, give it a try um, and just see whether that was going to work or not was that I said to them, okay, look, I spoke to my mother about it first. And I said, could you be a middleman um, or a middle person where um, the kids are able to post things to the grandparents, whether it's drawings or, you know, um, a little card or a little something that they've written and then my mum could then pass it on without the envelope giving away any indication about where we were living and vice versa then mum would have an address and I didn't even give mum my home address no one in my family was privy to where I was living exactly and I'd set up a post office box for that 
purpose so that mail could be forwarded to that post office box by my mother and um, they my ex's parents were able to send the kids letters or cards or have that little bit of communication with them while I was trying to figure out what I could do in terms of getting the kids back to a face-to-face visit with them which was really very fraught at that time because my children were still young and it's a terrible burden on children to be expecting them to not give away a location of, of where you're living really innocently in a conversation when the grandparents are having a catch up and asking them how they are you know it's natural for kids to want to tell their grandparents about their school or tell them about you know activities that they've been doing and then that having that kind of information was really really compromising to me and the children so it's a very very tricky thing to to navigate and as it worked out when I let my down my guard because it got to around to Christmas and um, my ex-partner had been released from jail and and I did an early Christmas visit to my family and thought (sighs) I softened and I, I was like I know that the kids would love to see my ex's parents and their grandparents and I knew how much my ex-parents would love to see their grandchildren and so I you know just on on the spot once I I was there my mother's you know invited them to come over and visit us and and I let my guard down I gave them too much information about our location I didn't give them our home address but I did let them know of the area that we were living in and um and I headed back uh two days later and and my ex had tracked us down with that little information so that just validated to me how how accurate the the family violence support services were in telling me that this relationship is the most compromising relationship you can have that's why we you know recommend that you absolutely have no further relationship with this you know your ex's parents um and I was so determined to find a way but then you know I expected that um I thought it would come from my children but instead I was the one who just being very trusting person just you know I think I wanted to just you know I I trusted them but it wasn't that you know I don't there wasn't any um they weren't being malicious at all in sharing information they didn't see any harm in sharing the information they did not know they couldn't foresee the devastating consequences it would have for myself and the children but they learned after that that yes, they, they, they I needed boundaries that I requested from them to be respected. Um, if they weren't going to be respected, then um, we couldn't have a relationship. So I learned that without boundaries, information about us, you know, 
would be shared as I found out with my ex-partner because as I said his parents were unable to come to terms with the gravity of what the children and I had been through with their son so the first lesson um, that I'm sharing with you is to understand that no matter how right you are that the parents may never come to terms with what you have been through so consider changing the conversation that you're having with them from one where you're trying to justify to them what you've been through to help them to understand your need for them to take you seriously and for them to be supportive towards you to be you know what you need to change that to is to a conversation where you are able to say you may not understand my need to ask you to support my wishes. But for us to be able to have any ongoing relationship, I need you to respect my wishes. So then you're coming from a place of assertiveness, okay, um, instead of being defensive. So learning this lesson, it was absolutely liberating for me. Instead of putting all my energy into trying to convince them of what I'd been through, which was way, way too much for them to reconcile. And it was traumatizing for all of us to have those conversations and talk about the things that the kids and I had been subjected to by their son. So when I learned to have this other conversation, what happened is I freed myself up by becoming assertive and telling them what my needs were and making those needs, having those needs be met by them a non-negotiable. By doing this, what happened, you know, what the outcome was for me um, in my situation is that I managed to avoid the courts and I managed to reconcile a very, very important relationship. I love my ex-partner's parents and I honour the special role that they play in the lives of my children. So what I'm telling you is it doesn't have to be all or nothing, but for you to have a foundation, you need to follow some steps to be able to achieve what I achieved, okay? There can be ways to have your needs met and in doing so, your relationship can be stronger with the, that person or those people than ever before and that's certainly been true for me. So please remember you have a right to choose the relationship that you have, the relationships that you have in your life okay if a relationship is a destructive one you have a right to choose what you are prepared to accept and if the other person or the other people are unable to respect your wishes then you have a right to end that relationship so I want to emphasize that your safety and your sanity they matter okay they matter very very much I know there is a saying that you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And it is true to a degree, but that doesn't mean that your family gets to dictate the type of relationship that they have with you when it's compromising your needs. 
you get to choose what type of relationship you have with them. So now you have stated that they need to respect your wishes in order to have that ongoing relationship with you or have that ongoing relationship with your children. You need to let them know what your needs are. In other words, you need to set some boundaries. That's what the Queen did with her son and that's what you have every entitlement to do too. So before you have that conversation outlining what your boundaries are, spend some time getting really clear on what they are. Get out a notepad and a pen and write them down. Ask yourself, what do you need to feel safe? Ask yourself, what do you need to feel sane? So asking yourself questions like this will help you to really get clear on what it is that you need. So you will feel safe and sane when you've been able to articulate what your needs are and they are demonstrating to you that being either the person or the people that you need to strengthen that relationship with, um, when they're able to demonstrate to you that they're able to respect those needs, your relationship can begin to flourish again. To help you to not get so overwhelmed by this process, if um, you have a restraining order in place, bring your needs into alignment with that to make sure that his parents understand that they can't do anything that will cause a breach to the terms of the order. So you don't have to even refer to the restraining order to be able to talk about what you need. It could be you might say something as simple as for us to continue to have a relationship, I need you to not share my number with such and such the person that you want to keep at a very safe distance from you or for us to be able to make arrangements for you to spend time with the grandchildren, I need you to sh not share any information about these visits with that person, so with their, their son or their, their child, okay? So that's a couple of examples. It's, you know, it's being very clear about what expectations you have and those expectations will be based on what you've thought out about what you need to stop you from being compromised, to stop your children from being compromised. So just spend some time. Don't rush into this. Spend some time thinking this through. Talking it out with somebody is always a good idea. It, will, it can always help you to get that clarity instead of having it all sort of jumbled around in your head because when you're feeling really stressed out by these kinds of pressures it's really difficult to get clear on what you need to start taking back control of the situation so yeah reach out to someone and get some help so step three is to be clear that if these wishes are not respected, then you will have no choice but to end the relationship that you have with them. 
Again, emphasize that you understand that they may have some doubts about the things that you are asking them to do as being necessary, but it's not about that. You are not having to justify yourself. You are just telling them exactly what you need, not why you need it. So you don't have to back it up with a reason. Um, that you need it is enough, okay? Um, but that for them to have that ongoing relationship that they want, they need to respect your wishes, okay? So just keep it really, really simple. You will know soon enough um, whether they're willing to respect your wishes or not. So maybe they'll slip up. Um, and that'll be your call at that time as to whether you give them another opportunity by saying, you know, you have really risked this relationship. Um, uh, you know, I'm think I'm having to think very hard about whether to um, end this relationship with you now. I value this relationship, but it doesn't appear that you relate, you value the relationship in the same way because you're not respecting my wishes. But that's up to you whether you give them that opportunity or not to redeem themselves um, because they've been used to doing things a certain way. Um, it might take a little learning from them, but it's up to you because you can't you can't mess around when it comes to your safety when it comes to your sanity this is you know very precious and if they don't appreciate that then they don't deserve to be in your life so let's just ask you know how many times did you turn the other cheek for your ex-partner what um, all of us are learning in this process of going, falling, you know, into relationships that uh, where we've become victims of abuse is if that healthy, thriving relationships blossom because they have respectful boundaries in place. We can't have healthy, thriving relationships without boundaries. Boundaries provide us with expectations and it's very healthy to know what another person's expectations are so now what I've suggested in this episode it may not be very easy to put into practice but it's completely worthwhile if you do put it into practice then you'll be able to create that foundation for a much stronger a much more honest and respectful relationship with your family now should you be doing all of this on your own? I'm not saying that you can't, but I am saying that there's going to be, a, you know, easier ways through it than trying to do it all on your own. So there are many, many women who never, ever tap into support services and they go through absolute hell trying to get through their challenges on their own. And this is one of the things that can keep women trapped in a state of victimhood, even years and years after they have actually broken free from an abusive relationship. Now, one thing I know to be true is that the Queen drew strength from the support that she received from her advisors and her support 
personnel. Now, life can be really challenging for all of us and family relationships, they can be fraught with serious challenges. If you can't draw strength from your family, then turn to others for support. Now, I'm not saying you should necessarily come and work with me, but I would encourage you to get support from someone who has experience, who has been through these things and has come out the other side and is perhaps a few steps ahead of you. I would encourage you to join a group of peers who are focused on not just surviving, but also learning how to thrive. You can always join the Rise Up with Tiara's Tears and Triumphs Facebook group. And if you do want to see how I can support you further in your journey, just jump into the episode notes and book a time to talk to me. For anyone who would like to support this show, to grow, to reach more women who have been impacted by abusive relationships, check out the Patreon link in the podcast notes. If you see the value in the work that this podcast is doing to help women realise their innate, incomprehensible worth, then if you can see that this podcast is helping women to dry their tears and triumph over their adversities, we would love and appreciate your support. Please don't feel alone in what you are going through. Remember, no family is perfect. Just to recap on today's three lessons. Number one, change the conversation with your family member from one of trying to justify yourself to one where you ask them to honour your right to have your wishes respected. Number two, articulate what your needs are simply and assertively. Number three, reinforce the consequences should they go against your wishes. Okay, good luck. That's it for this week's episode. Until next time, stay well and stay safe. Sending you lots of love, light and blessings, Sandy. We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel but when I turned a corner in my life the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement, if you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support 
with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another. And if you need to, try another until you have one that is the right fit for you. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow, hosted by me, Sandy J. This program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset, spells out how to spot the red flags, advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning, gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough, teaches empowerment strategies, acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on, to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side, who share their stories and insights, as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe, Sandy.